What is what is three. Are we recording? Yeah. Three, two, two one. one. Okay, there's the intro done. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> it's cool, <Good>. Ethan. <laughs> Alright, ready? <laughs> 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 oh baby you light up the world like nobody else because it's soul revival digital on a saturday and it's fantastic to have you along with us and i have two fantastic people joining me i have lewis who's joining us for the first time on the panel how are you hello Hi. should i take my mask off when i talk Is sure take do? it off while you're talking Excellent. don't and put it back on when you're not hello how are you i'm good okay good. put it back on okay cassie cassie you are yes, here stop. on the other side how are you I'm good, thank you. Excellent. It's very nice to see you. Now, uh, you got a coffee, you were saying. Oh, yes. And there was a, a problem with the coffee? No problem with the coffee. No problem tastes with how good. it tastes. Mm-hmm. Tastes excellent. But? but? The guy, when he took my order, he was like rubbing his eyes. He was real tired. He's just like, oh, yep, yep, yep. Oh, yeah. Putting it in. Yeah. He put in my bagel. And then he brought out my coffee and he was like, I'm really sorry. And I was like, <laughs> what? Why? He's What's like, so bad about it? Um, so I kind of butchered your name and the spelling. I'm really sorry <laughs> if you can see that. Give it the zoom. Get the ultra zoom onto that. Yeah. I think it says cassery. Cassery? Ca- I know, we'll go with ca- cassowary. Ca- cassowary. I think we'll go with cassowary. Yeah, you look like a big K-A-S-E-R-Y. bird. K-A-S-E-R-Y. <laughs> Very accurate. And then he didn't bring my bagel out. And I was like, it's just standing there looking at him. He's like, oh, do I owe you something? Like a cookie or something? And I was like... A bagel? He's like, oh yeah. And goes, you're like, goes, are, are you in? Goes inside, gets my bagel, comes outside. He's like, here you go, Casey. <laughs> you're like, I owe you a, an English lesson, sir. I've had worse though. I've had cashy, K-A-S-H-Y. Oh, as in like, like a cashy job. <laughs> when 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 uh, carpenters go do jobs oh, on cashy, the side, yeah, they call cashy. it a cashy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. But well, you should paid in cash, I guess. Oh no, you probably paid with your card, didn't you? And what else have you had? What other problems have you had with your name? Oh, a billion. A like billion. It's like the, kind of the name Cassie doesn't exist or something. Oh, like perhaps you should change it. I should just call myself Cassandra, even though I hate it. It's like, oh, I think that's a name. <laughs> I think so too. I've heard, I heard it's it a before. Legit name. Yeah, it's either Kathy. Kathy. Oh, Kathy. Or Casey. Okay. Not Cassie. Ever. All right. Thanks, Kathy. Um, <laughs> Lewis, have you got any names for Cassie? Cassie. New names for Cassie? Yeah. Um, Kathy. Kathy, Cassie. Oh no, not Cassie. Um, just whatever. Just, just, well, yeah, just write right. whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Just whatever. What whatever. are these? What are these red books that you've got in front of yourself? So, I'm not sure if you are you ever, stealing from the church? Yeah, I am. Um, so these are actually from a book called the Bible. I'm oh, not sure if you've heard of? Well, I'm so one. glad you've brought one of those along. And too. I have, yeah. So this this is like a little bit from this book. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> these are like little mini. Um, what would you call them? Like a section of the Bible? They're like a book from the Bible. Um, it, says the, it says the Gospel of Mark on it, It's I got think. the Gospel of Mark. Mm. And uh, we were kind of discussing about giving these out to people for gifts during like Christmas or birthdays recently. And um, Ethan said there was a bunch laying around the church. And so I'm stealing them. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> to, to give to other people. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. You're going to letterbox drop them too. Mm. I don't know. I think I, I might just like wrap them up with, uh, with a Christmas present as well. Like during Christmas. It's very forward thinking for Christmas in August. 
Is it? Yeah, I guess it is. You got to look forward to something at the moment, Joel. I tell you what, my my wife has gone wild on the uh, in online shopping for, for Christmas. Oh, She's say like, I've got. After school date, you got I've got today. Yes, it did get <laughs> uh, yesterday. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. Thanks for sharing that with it's us, Lewis. We are going to wrap it up for this section of the service, and uh, <laughs> Kim is going to do the prayers for us. So, we'll throw it to Kim. everybody it's my great pleasure to be able to pray for us all today um, it's been a bit of a crazy week um, and there's a lot to pray for and there's a lot to ask um, God to help us with um, but it's wonderful to know that he's always listening to us um, so I'm going to open um, our prayer with some words from Psalm 148 please join with me praise the Lord praise the Lord from the heavens Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Heavenly Father, to you all praise and glory. You are our King, the King, and you always keep your promises. We come to you in prayer with these things in mind, knowing that you always listen and that you know what lies within the hearts of each of us. Father, we are again thankful that we can gather virtually despite being physically apart. But this separation can be painful. And so we pray for all those who are impacted by the emerging COVID situation. We pray for those who are sick with COVID. Please bring them healing. We pray for those who are vulnerable or have underlying health conditions. Please keep them safe. We pray for the health and frontline workers. Keep them safe and bring them peace. We pray for those who are struggling in isolation. We pray for the mental and physical health of our community. We pray that you, Lord, would be our source of peace and assurance. May we keep finding ways to love and support each other in this time. And as always, Lord, we pray that you would bring an end to the cycles of infection that continue to spread in our state and around the world. We pray that you would bring an end to this disease. Help us all to know your loving presence. May we continually return to your word so we are reminded of who you are and the promises you have made. Lord, we pray for school students as they navigate remote learning and for those who are supporting them. As the lines between school, work and home are blurred, we pray for patience and that there are opportunities to rest. We pray for the students as they continue to learn, particularly for those in Year 12. We pray for them as they navigate the immense difficulty that is completing trial exams at home. Please help them not to be overwhelmed with stress. We pray for the families trying to support their children in their learning and the exhaustion that comes with this. And we pray for the teachers who are exhausted from facilitating this learning and whose job description seems to change by the daily. We pray for peace and assurance as everyone navigates the difficulties and challenges of this time. Father, we pray for our friends out west. We pray for our Indigenous partners in Brewarrina, Dubbo and northwestern New South Wales who are now in lockdown and have had a worrying increase in cases. We pray for community leaders, 
for Ike and Eileen, Doug and Julianne as they lead the church through these difficult times. We also pray for George as he leads the church in Walgett at this time. We pray that as much as possible, the communities can stay safe from the virus and please bring our friends peace. And finally, Father, we pray for Afghanistan. We pray for those who have become displaced and who must now seek asylum. We pray for your protection over their journeys to safety. We pray for the women of, of Afghanistan, protect them and their freedoms for the right to opportunities and education. We pray for those who are sick as COVID cases are spiking and hospital care is limited. We pray through the lack of certainty as to how the healthcare system will be able to sustain itself under Taliban rule. And Father, we pray for the small number of people in Afghanistan who trust in Jesus. Bring them strength and wisdom. Keep them safe. Help them to continue to trust you in such trying circumstances. Lord, there is much to pray about, but you are our King. You love all your children and you keep your promises. In all of this uncertainty, we can be certain about Jesus, that he came, that he died, that he rose again so that we may be saved. We thank you that your love endures forever and that you have chosen to rescue us, even though we've done nothing to deserve it. And knowing this, we bring all these requests to you, knowing that you are king and are in control of all things. Help us to trust you and turn to you this week. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, it's great to be back with everyone, and we are here with Lionel. G'day, Lionel. Hello, Tim. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and with Cassie as well. Hello, Hi, Cassie. Buddy. Yay! <laughs> it's catching. <laughs> it is, and uh, it's a very exciting weekend, Lionel. Why is it an exciting weekend for you? Marshmallows. Yes, marshmallows <laughs> yeah. and party hats. And party hats. It's my birthday tomorrow. It's your birthday. Got a party like it's my birthday in lockdown. <laughs> Let's not sing the next line. <laughs> I don't know what the next line is, so that's good. Yay! <laughs> well, Lionel, it's, yeah, it is your birthday tomorrow. And uh, so you're spending, you've been spending today setting up, is that right? Yep, just about to. Excellent, fantastic. What's required in the setup of a good party? Marshmallows. Yep. Absolutely. There's a few less now. <laughs> you've that was full. <laughs> um, we need party poppers. Woo! We need party hats. Yep. Uh, streamers. Oh. Yep. Friends. But online. <laughs> online Where's friends. Your hat? Online. Yeah. I've got my orange hat on. Yep. Excellent. <laughs> and presents. <laughs> presents. And Yay. This is why we brought Cassie oh. for my birthday cake. Oh, am I making a birthday cake, Lionel? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I saw your notice? lighthouse one. Yeah, that's a lot of notice. A what, what? A lighthouse. A lighthouse. Oh, goodness. That's, that sounds tricky. It sounds tall and tall. <laughs> like oh me. <laughs> yes. Uh, you've uh, you planned a birthday recently for Huxley. Is that right? Oh, I have. Yes. I had my son Huxley's third birthday. And ever since he's thought it's his birthday every single day. <laughs> Hi, Huxley. <laughs> it's my birthday tomorrow. It's my birthday tomorrow. I'm like, no, it's not. Next year. 
Oh, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Did he have uh, party hats and marshmallows and poppers and streamers? Oh, he had some streamers. Nice. He had a baby chino, so he had a marshmallow. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Party hats? No. <laughs> <laughs> what cake did he have? Oh, he had a big Paw Patrol cake. And by big, oh, nice. I mean tall. this big. <laughs> Fantastic. Tall one. <laughs> Almost life-size. Oh, hey. Paw Patrol tower. He was, he was overwhelmed. Could you, make, <laughs> could you make a Lionel life-size cake? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, Lionel. Oh, yes. Easy peasy. Fantastic. We might see that uh, tomorrow. That'd be really great. (laughs) Can't wait. Photoshop a cake. (laughs) Can't wait. Lionel, one of the things that we have to do is uh, to prepare for a party is one of your favourite things. We've got to clean up, don't we? Yep. And it's the weekend, so perfect time. Perfect time to do some cleaning. What sort of cleaning have you done to get ready for your party? I use my Mr. Sheen. Excellent. Polish the bench. (laughs) Nice. I... Put the rubbish in the rubbish bin outside. Yep. And I did the dishes. Excellent. Well, well mum did the dishes. Okay. That's <laughs> I watched. <laughs> is that and dirtied some more dishes. Is that your <laughs> least favourite job, Lionel, doing the dishes? Who's? Your least favourite job. Yeah. Yeah. I like to make the mess on the dishes <laughs> by eating. With all the cake on it, yeah. Yum. Well, you'll be making a whole lot of mess uh, tomorrow, Lionel, for your birthday. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a good reminder that actually the, the job of cleaning is never really done, is it? No. Yeah, you've got to you, – once you've cleaned, then you, your child comes and dirties another plate and you've got to <laughs> clean that up again. What are you saying, Tim? Uh, Nothing, nothing. Um, Just being subtle. So Clean up. (laughs) Clean up after yourself. No, but it's one of the things that we do. Cleaning, we keep on having to do it over and over and over again. Which Every weekend. Every weekend. And actually during the week, your mum does a fair bit too, Mrs. Uh, Lionel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you're in bed, Lionel, she does. When you're in bed, yeah, 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 part of adulting. <laughs> um, and then she's ice cream on the couch. So, <laughs> when, this weekend, uh, when we've been looking at Hebrews, one of the things we're looking at is the, and something else that happens again and again and again, which was when. Birthdays! Not birthdays, no. Oh. But when the people had to offer sacrifices to be clean, they had to get cleaned every year and they had to do it again and again and again. But actually, the the point of today is that Jesus comes and he offers the perfect sacrifice of himself and that keeps us clean from the guilt and the shame and the punishment of sin forever. So we're going to read the Bible uh, and we're going to hear that um, explained to us for over this weekend, which is pretty cool. Hey, Tim. Hey, Lionel. Did that mean they only had a bath once a year? Uh, it wasn't that kind of being cleaned. It was being cleaned of our sin, of the dirtiness that stops us having a relationship with God. But it was God's good design to give us a system that we could actually be friends with him again. So God was gracious um, in that way. It was pretty cool. Oh, I better go have a bath then and get ready for the party. You better have a party. We'll, we'll see you tomorrow for the party, Lionel. Yay. Hey, Tim. Hey. Is it your birthday tomorrow? Uh, it actually is my birthday tomorrow hey. too. Yay. We'll have a joint party. <laughs> Yay! Fantastic. Get ready. My hat on. All right. Hats on. We'll see you tomorrow for the party, Lionel. Yep. Woo-hoo. See ya. Bye.
with you every song we could ever sing And worthy of all the praise we could ever bring So worthy of every breath we could ever breathe Lord, we live for you
From the uh, Soul Revival Westwide campus, today I'll be doing the Bible reading. Today's reading is at the Book of Hebrews, chapter ten, verse one to eighteen. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifice repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have? Stop being offered, for the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all, and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, "Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me." With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, "Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God." First he said, "Sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law." Then he said, "Here I am. I have come to do your will." He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. 
again and again he offers the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemy to be made his footstool. By one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, "This is the covenant I will make with them after that time," says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, "Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more." And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. This is the end of the reading. Thank you. Thanks very much to Wang for doing that reading for us, and I'm joined on the panel now by Paul Tate. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Joel. Excellent. And Lewis is back on. How are you? Good. Ready to make some notes. That's yes. good to see. Now, uh, Paul, you're going to be preaching from Hebrews 10. What can we look forward to? Well, I mean, a big issue, not just for Hebrews 10, but actually for uh, quite a number of the chapters that we've just been going through, is the fact that it's how can we approach God um, when God is so holy and pure and we're so impure, how can we get to be in connection with him again? And we desperately need to do that. Um, mm. And so um, that's the big idea. Behind. I like that. I like that because, um, Lewis, you were, um, previously you were talking about how much you've been reading the Bible, which, which is awesome, uh, a number of different uh, books you've been reading, but uh, tell us what you've been learning from Hebrews. I've just been particularly loving Hebrews because I've kind of been learning a lot about the Old Testament at mm. college, which I haven't ever read before. And it, it's kind of amazing now seeing, because obviously you see the, the parallels and the prophecies all matching up uh, when you read the Gospels and stuff. But here it kind of just, it almost just tells you how it is. It just it kind of explains it. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's just been a very vindicating read. I've been really enjoying it. That's cool. I'm actually the same. I've been just yeah fascinated to see like how everything is flowing throughout the Bible now. Now I'm really stoked on getting back into the Old Testament. Or I don't know if I've really gone into the Old Testament that much. So once uh, Hebrews is over, and we are moving to 1 John uh, in our next series, I think, but um, I'm going to try and get some uh, Old Testament in the books because I am really stoked on what's, uh, seeing what God's plan is from there. So mm. I'm sure you're going to touch on that in this sermon, Paul, mm -hmm. but um, I'll let you take it away and we'll um, chat afterwards. Okay, great, yeah. <clears throat> I wanted to start with a story that I think I've actually shared before um, about a friend of mine, but it's, it's a funny story and it actually illustrates some of the concepts in this talk really nicely. Um, when he was at university, he uh, met a whole bunch of different friends, new friends from different parts of Sydney and that sort of thing, and he got invited to his first um, very formal party. And um, uh, he was from a fairly humble background and he hadn't really gone to super formal events before and so when he got the invitation and it said dress code black tie <laughs> he thought great i've only got one tie and it's black <laughs> and so in absolute beautiful ignorance and naivety he turned up to the fancy place probably with a nice pair of jeans on collared shirt 
and his black tie. <laughs> Only to see people there all swanning around, resplendent in all gowns and tuxedos and dinner suits. And you could imagine, he just wanted the earth to open up and swallow him um, <laughs> for that night. How you present to others matters. Um, it all really depends who we're going to meet, doesn't it? I mean, if it's family or very close friends, um, we don't need to brush up all that much. It's a pretty casual affair. Uh, but then we need to step it up a bit if we go to school or to work and we have to present ourselves before a boss or a teacher. It matters a bit more. And then if we're going to go to a really special event and meet someone very, very special, then we might go all the way and really dress up into fancy formal dress. Different people, different levels of expectation and therefore different behaviours. Now, probably one of the most uh, formal occasions you can imagine would be to go and meet the Queen. Um, so uh, just in case you get that chance, um, I've got a couple of rules that you're supposed to follow. I'll share it with you now. First, do not touch Her Majesty. Only shake her hand if she offers it. Uh, on presentation to the Queen, the correct address is Your Majesty. And then subsequently, you can say, ma'am. Um, you always take the Queen's lead. That means you don't talk unless spoken to. You don't sit unless she's seat seated first. And definitely, you don't start eating until she does. Um, you should never ask personal questions. Some um, small talk is the extent of your conversation with the Queen. And do not ever turn your back upon Her Majesty. Now, all that sounds a little bit silly these days when we think that um, the Queen is really just a little old lady who really has no power over us at all. But there would have been a time when standing before royalty would have been a very serious affair because there was, in the past, a king or a queen did indeed have your life in their hands. And so you needed to make sure that you approached them with absolute respect and not cause any offence. So how about coming before the God of the universe? Um, what sort of etiquette will that require? Uh, your best clothes? A well-rehearsed bow or curtsy? Now, we've read about one such meeting in our previous sermon series when we looked at Isaiah. Isaiah found himself in the throne room of heaven and then he said this from verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 5. Woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You see, when you stand before God, it doesn't matter what clothes you're wearing, what etiquette you've rehearsed. Our problem is that we have an internal problem. We are internally impure. And the holy and pure God cannot coexist with sin. And this is the big issue that stands behind our passage today. We desperately need to be in relationship with God, but we are not in a state to be able to remain in his presence. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, we'll know that we can't even live up to our own standards, let alone God's standard. And so we're weighed down under the burden of guilt and shame of our sin. And yet, in God's boundless goodness and mercy, God has done something so that we can confidently draw near to him. But before we do that, why don't we pray now as we come to look at God's word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, 
we pray that you would help us to understand your word. Help us to be honest with ourselves as we read your word. And so, Lord, we do pray you would help us to be hearers of your word, but to be also people who obey what you say. And so, Lord, we do pray you would bless us this time as we look at your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, um, I wonder how you've been going as we, we've been looking at the letter of the Hebrews over the last few weeks. Have you been thinking it's all just a little bit alien? Um, we've been wading through chapters about ancient priests, temple design, and now today animal sacrifice. And you know, it would be understandable if you just tapped out a bit. Um, you certainly wouldn't be the first to ask, why do I need to understand this ancient religious practice? And it's not just old and distant. It's all a bit gruesome and disgusting, isn't it? With all this animal slaughter and blood. But before we switch off altogether, let's think again about that big problem I was mentioning. How can a pure and holy God be in relationship with a sinful people? Well, as I mentioned, in his kindness and mercy, God has done something so people can draw near to him. And that was to establish the temple, um, the priesthood and the sacrificial system. It was a religious practice that would illustrate how God was going to deal with sin and make his people holy. Now, I think many of us are confronted by sacrifice in the Bible because we really haven't fully appreciated the seriousness of sin. And this isn't surprising when sin these days isn't seen as much of a problem. The common understanding of sin these days is um, sort of being a bit naughty. Um, Sin's just a way of talking about some kind of uh, pleasurable indulgence. I remember not all that long ago when there was a range of ice cream flavours that were marketed as the seven deadly sins, seven deadly flavours that were a little bit sinful. And so if you can use sin to sell ice cream, then surely it's nothing to worry about. But that's not the way the Bible defines sin. Sin is not a little bit of naughtiness or indulgence. Sin is rebellion. Rebellion against God who made us and who gives us life. And to rebel against the one who gives life, well, that's only going to end up in one place. Death. And so, yes, the sacrificial system was confronting and gruesome because sin was just so seriousness, serious. But was this deliberate practice of, of uh, religion, of the priest and sacrifice, was that really going to deal with sin at all? Well, let's have a look at our first verse of our passage today. Chapter 10, verse 1. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. See, even though the entire elaborate religious practice was put into place by God and outlined in his law, look what it says there. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. So all these religious practices, all outlined in the Old Testament, were a shadow, not the reality. And ultimately, this system didn't deal with the big problem we started with. We asked, how can sinners draw near to God? 
And here we read in the Old Testament that the sacrifices can never make perfect those who draw near to worship. Furthermore, the sacrificial system is not complete because it needed to be repeated endlessly, time and time again. Have a look at verse 2 here on screen. Otherwise, would they, that is the sacrifices, not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So rather than dealing with sin, this, act- this system actually is a reminder of sins, an annual reminder. And then there was the issue of like-for-like payment. So you've got to ask yourself the question, how could the blood of an animal pay for the sin of a person? It couldn't. And so now we move from the shadow to the reality. A contrast between animal sacrifice and Christ's voluntary sacrifice of himself. And as we've been seeing right throughout this letter, Jesus is better in every way. So if you've been following in your Bibles, verses 5 to 7 are actually a quote of Psalm chapter 40. But then in verses 8 to 10, we have an explanation of that quote. So reading from verse 8 here on the screen. First he said, that is, Jesus said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, Here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of of the body of of Jesus Christ once and for all. What we're seeing here is a comparison again between the old or the first covenant of animal sacrifice, which actually then is set aside by a new or a second covenant, which is established by the willing sacrifice of Christ, who actually is human. He shares our humanity. And what is more, Jesus was perfectly obedient to to God, whereas the Old Testament sacrificial system was regularly corrupted by hypocrisy and insincerity. In the death of Jesus, we have willing obedience and sacrifice combined. And notice what the sacrifice achieved says there, we have been made holy, a change of state, which means we're forgiven, we're cleansed, and now we have that thing we need, access to God. Now another reason why the sacrifice of Jesus is better is because it is complete and final. Throughout this section, the once-for-all nature of Christ's sacrifice will be repeated time and time again. So as we just read in verse 10 here on screen, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And then in verse 11 we read, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest, that is Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, He sat down at the right hand of God. And then in verse 14 we read, For by one sacrifice he is made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Where there is such complete forgiveness, there is simply no need for any more sacrifice. 
And the power of Christ's sacrifice can even transform people from the inside out. And so it fulfills the promises that we read in the Old Testament in Jeremiah 31 verse 33, which is quoted here in verse 15. Have a look at this on screen. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, This is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. The scripture here does not allow for any repetition or continuation of Jesus' sacrifice. After Christ suffered himself once for all time on the cross, it says there he sat down at the Father's right hand. His work of sacrifice and redemption is completely finished. His one sacrifice remains powerful forever and our complete forgiveness is the result. And friends, this is where biblical Christianity stands apart from every other world religion. Whereas nearly every other religion requires us to do something in order to gain access to God, our scriptures are clear. There's nothing more to do because everything is done. The once for all sacrifice of Christ is our only hope. By his sacrifice alone we are forgiven, made holy and gain access to God. Now the sad irony is this, is that we find it so easy to turn aside from the work done by Christ and to try to fix our relationship with God performing our very own list of religious duties. We attempt to make types of sacrifices in order to please God or to make ourselves more acceptable to him. It could be doing a list of morally good things, things like giving to charity or sponsoring a child in poverty, trying your best to be kind to your colleagues at work even though they irritate you every single day. And maybe it's not just moral behaviour, it could be religious action. It's very easy to think that if I do enough religious things, well then that'll make us right with God. So things like I come along to church regularly, I've been baptised, I read the Bible, I pray when times are difficult, I say grace before most meals. Now all these things of course are good things to do. They're all very helpful, even expected behaviours for a Christian. But here's the big distinction. All these things are done in response to God's mercy. They are not done in order to attract God's mercy. Friends, it's a terrible, terrible burden to live under worldly religious duty. To never be quite sure if what you've done is enough to please God. And what's worse, um, the more devoted you are to doing the right thing, the more sensitive you become to knowing how far much we fail to do good and to live up to the right standard. But on the other hand, it's a wonderful assurance to know that Christ has done it all on the cross. And so as it says in verse 14, for by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And so the writer concludes 
uh, with these words from verse 19 and following. And this is how we'll close our talk today as well. So in light of this wonderful, final and complete sacrifice of Christ, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us, through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let's pray. Loving and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his work on the cross, which is completely done. We thank you that we do not need to relate to you through a, a long list of things that we need to do and to never be sure that we've done enough. Lord, we thank you so much for your willing sacrifice that brings complete forgiveness and allows us to confidently draw near to you. And we thank you for all these things. In the name of Jesus, our Saviour. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Paul. Pleasure. <laughs> always, I like it when you say pleasure. It's always it's pleasure. very kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was really cool. Um, I really appreciated, as we spoke prior to your talk, about how understanding what was going on in the Old Testament was re is really important to understand what Jesus has done. Um, and you were talking about the sacrificial system being quite gruesome, but it needed to be that way because it helped examine the seriousness of sin. And then you compared it to how nowadays we almost trivialise sin and we have it's a little bit of naughtiness mm. thinking of those. Um, I think there were Magnum ice creams yeah, that you were talking about. I think about. they were. I think they were. Yeah. Um, why do you think that we don't understand the seriousness of sin so much? Is it just because of what Jesus has done or we? why are we trivialising it? Um, I think this is just a case of where um, the world, the pressures of the world really mm. upon us. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's been the same right throughout all ages. Um, it's not just a matter of, oh, we're missing a, a gruesome display um, that the Israelites would have seen. Each day as they walked up to the temple, they would have basically been confronted by a slaughterhouse. And mm -hmm. it's just um, really graphic to think of that sort of scale of, of death and that was going on there. Um, we may not have that now, but even then, even in those days, there would have been there was the pressure to trivialise sin, um, to think that it wasn't that important. Um, as we've seen, sadly, in many situations recorded in the Old Testament where they had totally corrupted the system, um, that they were living almost two lives, um, doing whatever they wanted, and still going to the the temple and giving sacrifices, um, often poor sacrifices, not even properly fulfilled. So it was, it was totally corrupt and broken. But I think in our day and age as well, we have the, again, that's that pressure of the world around us that has a different standard of, of, of morality and so um, has trivialised it and actions that are clearly denounced by God are now wholeheartedly embraced as, as valid life choices. Mm. And so that can just... that. That constant pressure is, is always washing over us, and so I think that's something we just need to be aware of. Yeah, I think you. I think you're right. I think, and I also wonder if um, if comfort 
plays a part in that too. That we in some parts of the world, I would say around where we live, that it's quite we're quite comfortable. It's things are reasonably easy for us. Um, Lewis, I was going to ask you a question. Uh, you're relatively recent recent time in becoming a Christian. Uh, would you say that uh, sin was trivialized before you became a Christian, or are you starting to understand that a bit more now? You've gone to Bible yeah. college straight after becoming a Christian, <laughs> so that's 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 an interesting perspective. Yeah. Um, I can distinctly remember having many arguments with Ethan prior to becoming a Christian, particularly in high school. Um, just things like super easy to nitpick, you know, Levitical law, like why can't you eat this animal? That's so stupid, <laughs> and things like that, and you just like miss all the context. But I think. Yeah, I, I think part of the journey of being a, a new Christian and seeing the way the Spirit kind of works in you and changes you is actually seeing how sensitivities to kind of wrong actions or you know thoughts kind of actually increase more and more and I'm noticing more things and the severity of some things also increase. So like something that might have, you know, annoyed me before, like, oh, I shouldn't have done that, it's annoying, like actually, you know, can actually provoke quite a intense response. You know, so I mean. In the sense that you're being convicted, yeah, as in like I'm just like, man, like I really feel bad about that. Mm. I want to go talk to God about it. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. Um, there's there's also that um, part of the sacrificial system that was never complete. It was never the Israelites could never be made perfect, um, and it had to keep happening because it was it was a reminder of their sin, like we were saying before. But um, I'd love to if you can just expand a little bit more, Paul, on why. The, volu- the voluntary nature of Jesus' death on the cross, even though he was perfect, so that we could, um, so we could, we could be made perfect. I find that very interesting. That um, because with the sacrificial system, it wasn't ever voluntary. It was like we need to do this to make sure that we are covering over our sins. But through Jesus' sacrifice, which was perfect and also voluntary, um, how does that how does that change things for us? Is that a is that a, is that a tough question? <laughs> a long question. Oh, sorry, it was a long question. But I think I, the thing I'm trying to focus on is, I suppose, the voluntary sacrifice is what sets Jesus is one of the things that sets Jesus' sacrifice apart. And I was just wondering if you could expand mm. on that. Um, yeah, I, I think sometimes we we've touched on this a couple of times in recent weeks. Um, this talk, and again, it's it's the. Um, the offensiveness sometimes of the of the cross and, and the sacrifice and and so um it's very clear that jesus volunt- voluntarily lays down his life and and he, and he does that on, on on our behalf um uh, it's it's also god voluntarily taking the punishment upon himself mm-hmm. the the offense that we've done mm-hmm. um so that um yeah it's not it, yeah, it's it's basically he he's he's work on our on our behalf, and um and and also it, it helps us understand um that yeah I mean that basically that it's 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 his work and not not ours to do. Yeah, because you were talking about that. There's nothing more for us to do to access God mm-hmm. um, because of what Jesus has done. Um, and then I, I know that you moved on to also talking about how we come up our own versions of mm, sacrifices yeah, yeah. and we've, we've already done like we, sorry, Jesus has already done what we need to do. So why, why do we come up with our own versions of sacrifices? It's a, it's a, it's a good question. It's a sad irony that, that you think it's all been done. And yet I think it's just our pride that, that, mm. that, that 
we're so distorted even in our sin, in our brokenness, that actually I, I can do it. I can still do it. Yeah. Um, even when, like, I mean, when Lewis was just saying, then getting disappointed with a previous action and then um, it's lovely when you say, I, I think I come to God in prayer about that. That's the right response because <laughs> yeah. it's saying I'm, I'm humbly coming before God for his help rather than going, all right, put my head down, work harder mm. and work harder and work harder. And you can see, um, I guess, I mean, throughout the history of humanity and world religions and that sort of thing, I mean, they, they tend to become very traditional. Um, there's a sense that we, we do want to be solemn and serious as we approach God, but we start to, it starts to become unhelpful. And I, I think it's because we want something tangible maybe to, 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 to do. I, can, I, I, can, mm. I feel better when I can do something. And that we can see it. We can see it. Mm. Um, um, and so we, we've seen, I did mention biblical Christianity. Um, there are historical Christianity hasn't always been um, that good at, at resting in the complete work of, of Christ. Uh, we, can, we can see a lot of traditional elements in, in, in Christianity that, has, have driven people back to an, an old Old Testament sacrificial system. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I just think it's just one of those things that we, we want to see something tangible and deep down we're sort of proud. I sort of want to do it myself. Um, yeah, I think you're right. And I think like early on in my Christian walk, that was something that I did a lot. Like I was not really reading my Bible that much, but I was still convicted by it. And then I was like, oh, I'll just, I'm just doing what I just need to do better, like white knuckling it. Yep. And I think that's what we're very tempted to do that. Um, you've got an interesting note-taking system there, Lewis. Is there anything that you'd like? <laughs> I'd love to hear what um, anything that stood out to you that you want um, to talk to Paul about. Um, I, I, I liked, um, you mentioned just, just previously, um, mm. that the sacrificial system is kind of now seen as a bit, like, bit barbaric, you know, even outdated. People might see it as trivial, like why do we need a sacrificial system of, um, usually they find it quite offensive, whereas during the, the Old Testament period, you know, that would have been quite normal. Like if you saw someone sacrificing an animal to whatever, you'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it's just funny. It's like back then it was just kind of trivialized, this normal thing that no one really, they, they probably got accustomed to it, probably stopped caring as much. Whereas now it's like people find it offensive and barbaric and strange, but it's still like the same outcome. Like people just don't really care. You know what I mean? Mm. It, so Yeah. I think it's easy to give into like the temptation of nostalgia to be like things were better, things like you know have changed, but in a way it's like things haven't changed in a sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a fascinating look at it, isn't it? Because uh, it's uh, many sacrifices throughout the Old Testament lead to the perfect sacrifice, which is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think that we we probably lose sight of that sometimes. And we, then, as we said, we come up with our own sacrifices and then have to try and remind ourselves continually like you were saying go to god that no we don't we don't need to do that we don't jesus yeah jesus complete work on the cross there's something i really appreciate your reminder for that paul so yeah yeah it's a it's it's a and it's a great relief so that's why i want like actually that we might get a chance to look at the, the following verses um in the coming weeks but just right after this section is this great assurance of saying, let's therefore approach the throne of grace with assurance. Um, um, it's just, it's, 
it's a great thing. Oh, now I can come before God mm. and I don't need to, to do anything. Um, I, I think of people who in situations in religions where they, they've almost got to weigh up their good, good works versus their bad and the day they come before God, is, it'd be horrendous. You'd be thinking, what, what have I, I, I probably haven't done enough. And sure enough, we, we don't, if we really be, want to be honest with ourselves. And so to, to actually think it's all been done and complete by, by the cross and, mm-hmm. um, and we can rest in that, then that's really great. And, and also it, it brings up that, the memories of Jesus' words where he talks about, come to me if you're weary and heavy um, laden. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He, he, he will take that load from us. And he carried that himself on the cross, mm. which was um, is a great, great assurance for us. Yeah, something that I've actually found helpful for me recently is visualizing this huge burden, just going and like throwing it to God, and mm. He takes that for it. So that's something that helps me. Mm. Um, but uh, thank you very much for your encouraging talk today. Thanks for joining us, Lewis. Yeah. I called you Lisa then. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Lewis. Um, we'll be back um, after this. We're back, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us. I'm going to wrap it up here with the guys on the panel. Uh, Cassie, been reading anything lately? Um, my Bible. <laughs> oh, oh, so holy. Anything else besides um, the Bible, which I'm very glad you're reading your Hebrew, Bible. Hebrews. Hebrews. Um, yeah, I, I read Boy Swallows Universe, actually. I think Sorry, should, yeah, Boy Swallows. Swallows Universe. Okay. Yeah, so it's a pretty intense book. Really uh, quite an intense ending. Is it? it took a really long time to get into it, actually, like probably three quarters through the book. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can keep going. Okay. And then it gets intense and it's really sad and heartbreaking. So out of five, <laughs> what would you give it? <laughs> oh, I'd probably give it a four. Four, a four solid four. That's a pretty good re- it's re- a pretty, rating. It's pretty good. It was pretty good. It's just hard to read when you have two children running around and screaming in your ear. Um, it makes it a little less enjoyable. But it's hard, it's hard know, to get into something if you're getting interrupted yeah. a lot of the time. Yep, I understand. Uh, Lewis, mm. have you been reading anything besides your Bible? Um, I hope you are reading your Bible. You've got quite I a few reading, to take. I am reading my Bible. Mm-hmm. I've been reading uh, Two Kings, Hebrews, and a little bit of the Psalms. That's been my current reading. That's a bit of a brag. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I'm kind of holy. <laughs> don't know if you You're know making that. me look terrible. <laughs> that's, that's, that's cool, but no, that's cool. Um, anything you like have got out of that recently? I've been, actually, I asked uh, Michael Greaves for um, kind of advice on prayer because I'm fairly new to, one moment, I'm fairly new to the whole Christianity thing. So I was kind of trying to figure out <laughs> prayer. Um, and he recommended me a book by Timothy Keller, I think, called Chord Prayer. Yeah. Um, and that's been, that's been really good. And he talks a lot about the Psalms throughout that, which is why I've been kind of diving into the Psalms a lot. Um, so yeah, Amazing. that's kind of been my reading. That's really cool. Mm. And uh, speaking of Michael Greaves, he was on the Chip Lunch podcast, the mm-hmm. latest one that came out. You were on a previous episode. Yep. Tell us about your experience. This is a plug, guys, if you hadn't realized. Of the Chip Lunch. Um, we talked about post-high school experiences. Uh, what, what was it like being a non-Christian in high school, becoming a Christian post-high school? I think mm. it was mostly just us talking about 
stupid stories about <laughs> things we did in high school, <laughs> like honestly. Yeah, so we, we had a quite a few of that with Greaves because I went to school with Greaves. So you guys can check that out. Uh, that would be awesome. Yes, uh, the Shock Absorber podcast is also, uh, will be out when you are watching this. So check that out. We are up to episode five of season three when we're talking about engaging uh, youth culture. Uh, Chip Lunch, as we said, is going to is a really good episode with Michael. So I really in, uh, encourage you to listen to that and or watch it on YouTube, just like you are now on Facebook or YouTube. We're everywhere, everywhere digital. And uh, let's finish up with a ready, guys. One way. One way. <laughs>